Welcome back to Absurdity. And today you're in for a special treat because Ryan and I have had no treats today. Which means <laughs> we've had none. We, we we will feast upon you. We will abuse our platform, and it's our right because it's our platform. Although, I have no it, idea what you just said. I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> yes, yeah, so let, let's explain what we mean by this here. Uh, the working title for this episode is now When Life Interrupts. And what we mean by that is that we have no clue, as of the time that you're hearing our voice right now, what we're going to talk about for this podcast today. And the reason why is we had something scheduled. And we have an exciting episode actually coming up for you next week. How's that for salting the oats? Exciting episode coming for you. And then because of a couple scheduling hiccups today, we had to push that to next week. And that got done today, a few hours before we were supposed to record. And we said, because of our faithful patrons, we cannot not record. And so we've got to have an episode coming out. And then we realized... Oh my, what do we talk about? So this is a free-for-all episode where since it's about us wrestling with life, you're going to see what happens when we haven't spoken, when we just turn the cameras on and we get at it, dealing with whatever was going on and whatever's crossing our brain cells today. And so I'm super thrilled to do that with my ginormously hunky co-host, Ryan. You know, it's interesting because I don't, I don't feel like we ever have a problem with this if we just call each other. But the second that like there is a camera involved or we have to figure out the content to to put together for the show. Now there I, I mean there's a reason for it, which is absurdity has very specific goals and we have very specific goals with the content that we create and we want it to be meaningful content. But at the same time and the reason that I think both of us feel comfortable doing this is well A, we're friends and we can do it. I don't have any doubt that we could talk for an hour without a problem, you know, without without there being in or, or not being able to talk for now. I have no, I have yeah, no the, doubt. The that talking we'll be fine. is not going to be then, the issue. It's whether you guys find meaning in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, then the other side of that is like, um, this is very much just Henry and my journey. Like what what we talk about on absurdity and and you know one of the things that we kind of. That, that we kind of committed ourselves to when we ended our hiatus with a beautiful faith and then thus and then have transitioned into absurdity as well since then um, is the idea that we're inviting you along our own journey. So we're not trying to do this thing of, you know, we teach you something all the time, which is what was happening before. I think I think we just want to talk about life as we're seeing it happen and um and kind of and process it and you'll see us come up like we our outlines are nowhere nearly as detailed as they used to be uh and we have given ourselves a lot of room for um you know for conversation for natural conversation for disagreement for a whole bunch of things and it's not that we didn't have i don't you know i i don't think we didn't have room for disagreement before the problem was that because the outlines were so collaborative like like the the physical we already outline, knew what the other one was going to say so there was not as much oh i'm surprised you think that we just yeah knew yeah exactly um so now we we do have we have a kind of a a way to hold our our cards closer to the chest uh, prior to recording, which makes that a lot easier. So we hope that that you've enjoyed the last few episodes too. But yeah, Henry, I you know I this is going to be interesting. I'm coming off of a week of traveling. 
and very little sleep. And you are also uh, a man of very little sleep right now. So, so this you know, episode is going to be absurd. Yeah, I, I mean, just like always. Oh, by the way, can I just give a shout out to... Um, I just want to give a shout out right now to uh, Amy Cummings or Amy Skinner Cummings. Uh, she has been... Her and uh, Rebecca Walker, both of them have been like super faithful listeners of Absurdity for And they post years. a lot about it. Yes. And they post a lot about it. And that's exactly what I want to... Uh, that's why I want to give a shout out to Amy because she posted something this week on talking about... Um, uh, Lil Nas X, which we had, which we had somehow gotten onto last week and talked about more in depth. Uh, and did we put any of that up on YouTube yet? No, not yet. Um, so We're gonna it will miss come the up, wave. <laughs> no, I'm not too worried. Um, but it will come out. Don't worry. Um, Six hundred and sixty-six days from now, it may actually be up before this episode is up. So if someone's hearing this and I'm saying it will be up, it probably it might already be up. You'll know based on if there's a link in the description to it or not. Um, the absurdity of time. That's right. The absurdity of 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 schedule or posting schedules. Yes. So, so anyway, she brought something up. Yeah. So she she brought up the little Nas thing, and and I love this. She said, "Here's an advanced level. Here's an advanced. I love the advanced level with two star emojis uh, instead of quotes. Uh, compassion and introspection exercise. I was challenged with this week. Um, and then she asked, you know, can the church suspend its moral outrage at you know, Lil Nas X's part of the transaction to see the human life behind it. Um, can the church get past its shock and appallment long enough to observe into this areas of spiritual abuse it is guilty of? Uh, can we sanctify our imaginations enough to visualize what his life might be like if the church had sat compassionately with him in his pain and confusion and trusted God with his heart and his journey? Um, and I just love that. You know, 150 some odd episodes into this show. And the one thing that I've always always hope for this show wasn't that I could change someone's mind necessarily though I've, I've I feel like I've either done a fair bit of that or at least influenced it but really all I want people to do is ask better questions is to be more compassionate um is to is to just be willing to set aside you know whatever preconceived ideas and beliefs they have for like two seconds just long enough to ask some challenging and difficult questions in order to serve people better and in order to understand people better I, that's been my goal from the beginning. So every time I see something like this, like it's just like mission accomplished to me. Not like I'm going to retire, but just like it it shows me that, hey, I'm I'm on the right path with this. And it does take a certain attitude from the listener to get there. So I, I want to commend that in you and and Rebecca Walker to you as well. You post a lot about this and, and I appreciate uh, the post that you share as well. It, it means a lot because the other way that this podcast grows is through people sharing it through word of mouth. So yeah, just shout out to you two. Uh, thank you again and keep posting, keep it up. I do see them and I do love them even if I don't always click a reaction because I have ADHD and get distracted quickly. I'm sorry, what was that? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you for everyone's support. Again, if you'd like to be a Patreon, go on over there. We have some exciting things coming up. And if we get enough, then Ryan can retire. <laughs> yeah, we're a long way away from that. Um, but yeah, but let's the, try it. I mean, I, hey, listen, if they can inflate Dogecoin, a Dogecoin, I think Doge it's actually coin. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Yeah, excuse me, with a dog. Uh, the Dogecoin by like 470% today as of the time of we're recording. So if you want to figure out when we recorded, play with that. Then it's possible to... Wow, did it finally hit 10 support. cents? Did it, it finally hit, hit over... It it hit forty today, man. I'm so sad because I had a bunch of Dogecoin at point uh, at eight at uh, point oh eight cents. 
I, I had some at, at one five, point, but- and then I got rid of them because I was like, this thing isn't backed up by anything. It's just, it's dumb. And I threw it away. I backed out of it because I just didn't want to, it's not that, it's not that, it's just, I didn't want the volatility anymore. And don't get me wrong, like I'm in crypto, okay? I've made a I've I've made bank on on Cardano, okay? Like I've made bank on Cardano. I'm doing okay in in Ethereum. Um I have had actually some some form of emergencies over the last couple of months that I've had to pull some of it, unfortunately. Um but the the reality is like I I have done pretty well in in, in crypto for the most part, but the the volatility of Dogecoin is is even it's just too. I, I'm not here for it, man. When when a tweet from it feels like a it from, feels like a Ponzi scheme. It's just it's not like I'm all for the meme. Like if there's anyone who knows me, I'm all for the the like the joke for the sake of a joke. The problem is that this is real money. That's at the and sake a lot of, a joke. of it now, and a lot of it now, and that's where I have like I think it'll hit a yeah, dollar. My, my, I don't have any doubt, but I just don't like the ride to get there. Yeah, and my and my problem with it is is. It's one thing if it's a bunch of people throwing $3 at a joke. The issue is now is there's people putting life savings into a joke, things like that. And, I, and I'm not an investment broker by any means, but I, this is actually an interesting thought. I was reading an article the other day. I didn't know we were getting on crypto, but hey, it's an absurd episode. That's, let's talk about crypto doing, for yeah. a second. Uh, let's talk about crypto for a second for all of you woke people that are into crypto. And by the way, I actually have some altcoins. And if you don't know what altcoin means, we're not talking about the big like Bitcoin. So basically altcoin like is literally anything other than Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, depending on who you're talking to. Ethereum yeah, is... Yeah, Ethereum and Litecoin and Bitcoin are the big three that are considered actually backed up by something because the, the, the way they investors view it, as I understand it, is Bitcoin is like gold. And yes, it's then a store like, of value more so than anything else. Right. And then Litecoin is like silver. And then Uther- uh, Ethereum is like oil. That's what they say. Those are the big three that play with things, even though Litecoin has struggled for a while. But then again, that's just like silver. Most people in the commodities market kind of ignore silver until they're really hedging their bets in something. But anyway. I mean, sure, you could say Litecoin has, and yet it just jumped over 300 being over under $200 a week ago. So I'm really glad was, I own it was one 30. Litecoin. Dude, that's funny. I own one as well. No, no, we talked about it. We've, we've mentioned this on yeah, the show before. Yeah. I'm really glad that yeah. both of us own one. I know. And I feel really dumb that of the two altcoins I bought way back in like 2010, I had a Bitcoin and a Litecoin as a joke and I got rid of the Bitcoin and I feel really dumb. Yeah, but you, anyway, you got rid got, of the wrong one? <laughs> I got... Although to be fair, if you want to really think about it, I put in like ten cents for the Litecoin, and it's now, as you said, like three hundred something today. I so, mean, it's cool. I mean, I, like I had to empty out. I had to. I had to take out about two hundred dollars worth of Ethereum on something, and um, and I'm already half of that back. That's what's so funny to me. Like, that's what I love uh, about this. Um, it's it's. It, I mean, granted. So here's the thing: if you're thinking about getting into crypto or investing because of the whole. GameStop, you know, fiasco with Robinhood and everything. Here's what I'll tell you. Everyone, everyone is a genius in a bull market. And a bull market just means that like everything, everything goes up. Everything goes up, which means that it's so easy to be right. And yes. I imagine I, it like a bull in a china shop. They will hit anything if you turn it loose. Exactly. So the like don't get in on fear of missing out or um on hype, like actually do some research and figure out what you want to back. I'm backing projects specifically that I that I do believe in. I'm also backing projects that I um, 
that I that I've done some research on, and I I'm willing to take a risk here and there, but for the most part, I I, I want to do it um, wisely, and I I intend to to hang on for a while, right? Like Cardano, I got in it because I'd recently jumped into this in like December. That's when I jumped into crypto. I wasn't in crypto prior to December. I I bought something here and there, but never never serious never took it seriously in any way, shape, or form, um, and. I think for me, like there was a lot of lessons along that way, but I'm excited to see where it goes. And the other thing is, and this is what's going to be hard for people, you shouldn't invest more than you're willing to lose. But I also think that like, I'm kind of excited for it to plummet at some point because it will, there will be corrections along the way, like there has been, but I think it will eventually, the the bull market has to come down. And when it does, I intend to like... I intend to not necessarily double down, but I intend to invest more when things drop um, yeah. significantly. Well, I mean, and, and by the way, neither one of us just uh, maybe we have to do a disclaimer. Oh yeah, not financial advice. Artists. This is not are, financial are, this advice. This is not. We are not financial advisors. Please do not go drop your life savings into something and then go. It, it overcorrected next week, and you guys said you thought it'd go another twenty percent. We did not say that. Uh, again, the stress is, and this kind of comes back to where I, I was going to start with this. First of all, don't invest anything in crypto that you are not willing to lose all of it. Yep. Period. And that's uh, in anything, it, not is, even crypto. Right. That's anything, but just, and this much I do know, not being a financial advisor, but crypto is not backed up by the FDIC. And if you don't know what the FDIC is, it's the Federal Deposit Insurance Commission. So... In other words, the federal government backs up a certain amount. If you lose, if something goes bankrupt and just takes everything with it, you don't have to lose everything past a certain point. There's a there's kind of a safety net put under it. Crypto does mm-hmm. not have that. If you put twenty thousand dollars in Dogecoin and then tomorrow, you know, Musk has a meltdown and is like, "This is the dumbest thing ever. I'm liquidating everything," and then it drops to negative twelve cents or whatever. I don't think it'd go to a negative, but my point is, and you lose everything tough. You lost everything. So yeah, know, I lost, I mean, look straight up. And by the way, I'm never going to say how much I actually have in any investment. That's never tell people how much you have or how much like, correct. That's just a Although really they bad can idea. figure out if we, if we both have one Litecoin, then they can probably figure it yeah, out. But they, the time but they don't, but they don't know. I mean, sure. They know what they know. Sure. How much we own, but they don't know how much we've made. Maybe True. I got in at three twenty. I don't know. Um, uh, well, that's true. I mean, I kind of gave it away that I got it way back in 2010 or whatever. So yeah, but it's I, still. I mean, my but my point is, you don't want to go around bragging to people like I've made this much or I've made that much, or because the problem is that like money does really ruin relationships, um, and that well, doesn't. And does. you never know. And the problem with cryptocurrency, especially with wallets and transferring, like, man, there's no, if you make a mistake transferring funds from one wallet to another or from one, you know, exchange to your wallet, uh, there's no getting that back. Like, there's no do-overs in crypto. And on top of, and so if someone steals it, someone else has access to your stuff or happens to just coincidentally get access to your stuff um, and can see it, then it's like that kind of thing. It can be uh, really, really detrimental. Um, well, you read all the articles about the people that forgot their chain codes to get into. Well, I don't know if it's chain. It's block. Codes, no, no, no. Right? It's their. It's their. Yeah, yeah. It's it's their. Yeah, it's I, I said chain their, codes, but chain code is a Star Wars reference. Block, <laughs> block, block chains is what you know. Bitcoin is in, but they they can't get access to them, and there's like because they forgot of their passcodes. Yep. Yeah. 
So all all wallets have like a 24-word phrase, or not 24-word phrase, a 24-word like random assignment that you have to remember. And they tell you, basically write it down. Don't keep it on your computer. Don't keep it on anything that can be hacked. Because if it's something that can be hacked, then you're out, right? You want to keep it in an offline wallet. So there are hard drives that you can use as wallets. There's software that you can use as wallets. But either way, for your account, you have a you have a 25 word passphrase that you that you do in addition to a really really secure passcode that you use a password that you use and so yeah a lot of people have either completely lost their hard drives or forgot the passwords and the the really heinous thing here and this is what makes it so stressful is like i know of one i know there was one guy that had like 7 million dollars worth of bitcoin on a hard drive and he has one attempt remaining at the password before it deletes everything Oh mercy! And so he's just he's just counted as a loss because he's he won't he won't put in he won't try a last passcode. He doesn't have the he doesn't have it in him to do it. And I don't blame him. Um, maybe one day he does. Like maybe he's just holding out for the day that it just hits him. You know the the clouds part, and he remembers. But it's stressful. Um, that it's I can't. Be. Which which to the other stress and the thing I was I keep coming around to never getting to. The other problem with crypto that you need to really fight against is, and I think part of what's driving it a lot, and this is just me guessing, again, not being a financial analyst that knows all the ins and outs and trends and whatever. I think a lot of it is this feeling, again, in society of the get rich quick for nothing. Yep. And when so many of these coins exist today, they're gone tomorrow, you can buy thousands of them for like 10 cents, and then they can multiply by you know 500% overnight. And then you quickly get out. You hear the stories of people that like, in fact, now listen, I'm going to say something that's going to make Ryan excited because he didn't know I even looked at this. Like on Reddit, there was this guy that was doing, what do they call it? The the 200 to 2 million challenge, where yeah. it was how many, how many flips or transactions would it take for him to take $200 and make it 2 million? And he did it in like nine transactions or something crazy like that on all these random coins I'd never even heard of. And I'm like, what in the world? So people hear this and he makes like $2 million. And so people go, wow, I could flip $200 and make $2 million. But the likelihood is you won't. Maybe. I mean, I would love to make $2 million. I yeah. say that. Money ruins people. But I mean, eh, the likelihood, I, I'm under no illusions right now if I liquidated my Litecoin and then dumped it in something else and it... it I'm yeah. not expecting to make a lot of money on this. No, and that's like that's the thing is it's definitely better than a savings account in a bull market. But um, it's especially <laughs> but when the correction after, comes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you really have to have tough nerves because you will watch those numbers plummet every Sunday. You, we watch crypto drop significantly because, and then it, and then it just, all week long it climbs higher. Um, but we, you know, bloody Sunday. It's stressful um, if you if if you if you watch the graphs, you almost have help heart palpitations yep. because it will yep. go up like forty dollars and then drop eighty, and then you're like, what in the world, you know? Yeah, uh, people and, must have to sit there and stare at it all day long and just play averages like sell it, wait when it drops 10, buy again, hope it goes up, sell again and just start banking it that way. I don't know how they do it. And it's and it's hard, man, because like you start to think of all the problems it solves. You start to think of all the, the, the ways that this could make your life better um, if you just get it right once. And that's the hard it's thing. It's like, like gambling. It is gambling at that point because you're not doing research. You're just throwing money. Poker is not gambling if you're playing poker right. Very rarely are you playing a hand in poker. If you're playing poker right, then you're gambling because you're not playing the cards, you're playing the other people. And if you can read people, if you can understand habits, if you can understand tells, um, if you can understand even odds because you're making intelligent decisions based on odds to some degree, which yes, is still gambling, but not when you factor in that you're playing, you know, you're getting in other players' heads. Um, you heard it here first, folks. 
Poker is not gambling if you play it right. If you're playing it right, poker is not gambling. If you're just throwing money at something because and betting on random chance that it'll work, if you're making, you know, if you're making a bet, you know, throwing in money, just not intelligently at all, just, just throwing money in to throw money in, which is the most frustrating thing once. Um, my brother taught me how to play Hold'em years and years ago. And then we brought another friend of mine into it. And the first time he played, he was just throwing random amounts of money in. And we were like, bro, you can't do that. Like, I mean, you can, and that's one way to play. The problem is like, there's no structure to what you're doing. So you don't know what you're doing and you don't know why you're doing it. And like, so you're gambling your money while we're not gambling ours. And we're not going to touch anything that you throw a ton of money in because we don't like, we don't know why you're doing it. So the, the, there's no difference between, for him between a bluff and a non bluff. And that's like, and not in the good way. So, well, since, as you said, yeah, this is a free go. for all episode, since we're, ta- since we're going yeah. in growing degrees of risk and disaster, we went from crypto. Well, to I was going to, I was going to swing back around to Dogecoin. And, and, and I was, I was going to bring it back oh, to Dogecoin. Oh, were you? I was yeah. actually going to shift into a whole different topic, but okay, let me then let me Dogecoin let me just thing. finish the thought, and then and then we'll go in, which was which okay. is just which is just this. By the way, I don't play poker for real money. No one, I've never, not a thing. So no one. And you I should see the stack of Monopoly money he has, though. That's right. Um, I love the feeling of like legit the clay poker chips. Um, so what I was going to say was essentially Dogecoin is is and a lot of altcoins that people get into is gambling. Because with Dogecoin, you're just waiting for for Elon Musk to tweet about it. That's all you're doing. You're just putting money in and waiting for Elon to tweet about it. And then it skyrockets, you sell really quick, and then you go out. But the other thing you're is there's a lot of- You're waiting for everybody to post memes saying, go for the moon, yeah. shoot for the moon, or whatever yep. they're doing today. That's all, yep. And then you're waiting for, like, the problem is that YouTubers are out there making, like, big YouTubers are saying, invest in this coin, or will this coin 10x, or, you know, 10 times its value? Um, or will it- you know, will it do that in the next, you know, in the next month or the next year, whatever. And they do that. And this is what, this is what YouTube scammers do. They tell you, they, they invest in an altcoin, a ton yeah, of money. They drive alternate they demand. They drive alternate demand to those altcoins and then they sell right after. And so they're out before you've like, right when you bought in is when they got out and it's going to crash as a result. Like, and they, they take your money and that, you lose and, it. Correct. That's exactly what happens. So like, this really is a minefield. And I w- that's why I say like, please, if you're going to do this at all, like, don't just do it and throw money in, actually research and understand why you're, you're picking something. If you don't understand blockchain, if you don't understand, um, if you don't understand smart contracts, if you, NFTs is actually a great entry point into this too, I think with NFTs growing too. But that's all I'm saying is like, if, if you're doing it smart and you, you understand that there is risk because there's risk with every decision, Someone told me that it's gambling. It's gambling. So it's getting in a car every day. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't buy that specific, you know, that specific argument. So yeah, that was my point. Anyways, go ahead, Henry. Where, where were you taking us next? All right. Well, let me try another transition and pick off new words since the last one left. So speaking of minefields and, you know, <laughs> nice. uh, of things that could, you know, end very poorly. Uh, and and I say this funny, but now I realize I need to actually make this serious for a second. First of all, another thing happening today when we record or last night, and it's talking about today, and I wish this wasn't always, it seems like the last several weeks, something that happens right when we record. First of all, our condolences to the eight lives that were lost in Indianapolis at the FedEx mm. facility, where somebody, which they still don't know all the details, got out and just started shooting in the car park and marched in and started shooting and has killed eight people and then killed themselves when the police showed up. 
Uh, so, I mean, the total death is nine, but I don't, okay, now, now you could debate terms of victims. I, they don't call it a victim because they're the perpetrator. I'm, I'm sure they, they victimize themselves in a way, but whatever term you want to use, eight, nine lives gone, mm-hmm. uh, eight for somebody else's problem, whatever that was. And so here we are again, we just had an episode a couple of weeks ago about someone shooting up a couple of, you know, salons. And now we've had yet another shooting, and we had talked about it a little bit then, and I will admit, thankfully, my reaction to this one was slightly better than the last, but hey. there was still some of that there was still some of that cynicism where I'm like, "Great, another shooting." And another thing that really bugged me this time was, you know, they were interviewing some of the survivors that had fled the car park. and the the guy that CNN had to play all day long was he's like, yeah, the guy got out with a submachine gun and was just unloading on people. And I was like, okay. First of all, it's a tragedy, and I don't want to make light of that at all. The second part, again, talking to myself, I was like, really, a submachine gun? You do not know what a submachine gun is, first of all. Second of all, just when they were listening to other people describe what the person was doing, I was like, if you knew anything about guns, that's not a submachine gun that was shooting. Because mm. it would be more than eight people that just got offed. Um, but that, you know, anyway, so I was like, oh, great, here we go. Ignorant commentary about guns combined with really dumb usage of guns, plus tragedy that should never be diminished for any agenda. And you've got a massive minefield of a cocktail of, wow, these things just keep happening and nobody's doing a thing about it. So I was like, hey, that's happening today. Let's talk about that for a minute. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't actually aware of this mainly because since I woke up this morning, I have been actually working on other. I haven't this week out of any other week in in the last decade that I've been on Reddit. This is the first day that I, this is the first week where I've been on Reddit for less than like, I don't know, two hours across. This, uh, this is an absurd day. Friends. I quoted Reddit, spent more time on Reddit today. And that's hard to do that. Ryan didn't before we recorded. If there is is someone that knows me that uses Reddit, it's likely because I'm the one that told them about it. Right. And like, all the time. I've actually felt bad about this and friends, some friends have just stopped sending me things because they'll send it to me and I'm like, yeah, I've already seen it. Like, I'll laugh still or react or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, I saw that like six six hours ago. Um, if you're someone who gets all of... This is what sold Reddit for me, by the way. If you're someone who's, who gets all of your news from like Twitter or Reddit or... I'm sorry, not Reddit, Instagram or Facebook um, or other just other news sources, it was probably on Reddit like a day before. <laughs> <laughs> tweets are slightly different. Tweet there, there is something to be said about tweets coming out um, and then going on Reddit next. It just depends on the topic. Um, if the if the topic itself is what is the content of the tweet, then obviously Twitter wins that war. But um, yeah, if it's on Facebook or anywhere else, it's likely that it was on fa- on Reddit first. Um, so it looks like it was a a former uh, a former FedEx employer or employee. Um, 19, oh, so that's updated yeah. information even since he, they, so they've uh, released the name of the shooter? Yep, not saying it, but a 19-year-old. Um, and his mom apparently called them as well oh, saying... Oh, no, I, I did hear that somebody yep. had warned him and they had opened up an investigation. And, and by the way, as a side note, I, that's something that I know is really rough and that people really hit law enforcement over. And that's a really tough one. Somebody calls that lives with these people... And they say, hey, there's warning signs. I'm uncomfortable about this. 
And we've seen this a couple times in shootings. And so we find out, hey, they were reported to the authorities like a year ago and they didn't do anything about it. And and, and this is the great thing of, you know, law can't, like authorities cannot, nor should they guess intent or the future. Yep. And, and this is the really tough thing because because I'm sure it's going to come out. Well, we looked into it and probably it did. I closed can read it that. for lack of. I can oh, literally okay. read well, that then. to you. Yeah, it says the FBI said last year that it questioned the man who fatally shot eight people. Um, they said that his mother called the police to say that her son might commit suicide by cop. Uh, he says agent. This is a, a FBI. Um, the special agent in charge of the Indianapolis uh, field office for the FBI uh, says the agents questioned him based on items found in his bedroom. He did not elaborate on what those items were. No crime was identified, and the FBI said it did not identify Hole as espousing a racially motivated ideology. Yeah, like, can they, see, like what fu- can they do? I, I was going to say, this is the hard part, because people always want to retroactively go, well, look what they did now. You should be able to know. And, and, and I think, and this is not to diminish that something should be done about an increasing... I, I think a lot of these shootings are pointing to things we've talked about on other issues, thanks to COVID and and shutdowns and a lot of other things. There is a lot of undealt with anger, frustration, and isolation that's already exacerbating mental health, uh, emotional well-being crises and and other things that are going on. And and the problem is, and yes, and I think it's a discussion that should be had, people are using tools inappropriately to try and deal with these things, not effectively. And and maybe it's playing my hand a little bit if we ever got a, just guns specifically, but they're he's using a tool just like someone can take a car and run somebody over. Now, I met people argue, yeah, but the car can only do so much and a gun can. Okay, okay there's a discussion to be had about, you know, a chainsaw is more wild than your kitchen knife. But my point is, it's still someone to use the tool and in not dealing with their own problem. I think you mentioned this on like last week's episode or something before that. They have weaponized ideology they have weaponized, yeah, weaponized prejudice internal prejudice, prejudice. or anger internal or prejudice yep. or anger or frustration or, or or whatever and especially when you hear terms like suicide by cop unfortunately that's coming to a point now where people are uh, and this is going to sound really bad this is remember this is just not scripted this is us just running our thoughts it almost makes you want to say it's one th- and please if you're contemplating suicide this should be a trigger alert if you have or you are contemplating suicide please get help talk to somebody okay you are not alone does not mean you're the worst being that ever existed or you have a lack of faith if you're a person of faith and, and you're struggling with this please talk to somebody before it gets to this point and please do not misunderstand what i'm about to say as if i'm telling you yeah just go ahead and off yourself that's not what i mean i'm saying that my initial gut reaction sometimes when i hear suicide by cop is i go it's one thing if you're going to ruin your own life but why do you have to take other people out with you I mean, these people had nothing, as far as I know, nothing to do with your issue. They had their own lives and their own things they were struggling with. I know it's bad to say. I just Sometimes you're like, just off yourself. Why do you take eight other people with you? But that's a horrible mm-hmm. way to say it because I don't want them to even off themselves. I don't, I don't want anybody dead. I think there's always hope. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Things I can think- get better, even if you can't see it. But I was just going to say, I think, I think this is one of those moments where you are seeing a raw reaction and we have to learn how to like, this is the kind of thing we're, we're doing this live in a way that is like, yes, it's pre-recorded as far as when you're hearing this, but 
we are putting this up unedited and or uncut, I guess. Technically, it will be edited, just nothing removed. Um, the, you know, you're seeing a raw reaction where, you know, I, I've said this before, where in years past, before social media was a big thing, you used to process in private and react in, or react in, in, in private, process in private, and then share in public. But now all of those things happen at the same time. You in know, public, yeah. In public. They all happen publicly. You react, you process via community. It's, it's, that's, that's how it is. And in some ways that can, that to some degree that can, that can actually be a really, really cool thing. Uh, for example, uh, the incident just last year of a, of a, of a member of the military harassing a black guy that lived in his neighborhood on the, on a public sidewalk, um, for being in the neighborhood and trying to provoke the dude into hitting him so that he could fight back. And that video going viral and the black community coming out to support this, this kid in his neighborhood. Um, there are times where that that's a huge thing that that is beneficial. Um, but in reality, we can say dumb things. We can try to figure out and say, yeah. like, I don't know what the best way to say this is, but here's what I'm feeling, and I I hope you can understand it. You know, whatever. I, you know, and and this is why I struggle to talk about shootings all the time, is because like I also feel there's part of me that genuinely feels like if we never talked about them again, they would stop. Obviously, not, people wouldn't get the attention because they wouldn't get the attention. And I don't know if that's true, and that's the problem. The risk isn't worth the reward. I don't. I don't know. I like because, because it could you can't get just worse. Stick your head in the sand. Exactly, right. and that's what's so because you want to deal with the ideologies that get the, that that get you there. But this thing about the FBI, you know, questioning him uh, the the year prior, the same thing happened with the Nashville bomber on Christmas, um, or around Christmas. Maybe it was Christmas oh, the one morning. In the was that the one in the trailer that yeah, yeah, blew, yeah, yeah. Yep. blew up half the street? Yeah. Yeah. So that knocked out AT&T service across the eastern seaboard, essentially. I didn't have cell service for a couple of days, too. And Wait, I didn't know AT&T had cell service on the eastern seaboard. AT&T is better. Like, I travel for work, dude. AT&T is amazing for that. They're not amazing for billing, but they're amazing for, like, I pretty much always have reliable AT&T service unless there's a bomb on the street for the major are, are you Are you usually in major center. cities? No, I do a lot of traveling in between and Verizon is the one I see struggle a lot. T-Mobile, no chance. Sorry, T-Mobile. Uh, you like, didn't T-Mobile buy Sprint? That was, that didn't help them. I feel like your coverage well, got worse at that point. That explains a lot. You, yeah, you know right? why they called it Sprint, right? Because you had to sprint somewhere in a hurry to yes, keep your signal. Exactly. But here's the thing. Like, so, so, Police officers had been called to the to that bomber's house the the year prior as well, and they no one answered the door. They found no record of wrongdoing, and you can get on them all you want for this, but like I've seen this firsthand, and it's so incredibly frustrating, and it can be so incredibly damaging. I I have to be very careful with how I with how I share this, but I'm going to share something personal and basically saying that I have had to. Um, Several years ago, I had to call uh, Adult Protective Services on um, basically on behalf of a family member. And I begged them. I begged them because I knew that they would do a visit. They always do when you do call Child Protective Services or Adult Protective Services um, uh, because of an abusive situation. I called them and I begged them, please do not show up unannounced. Here is what happens if you show up unannounced. They always do the unannounced visit, visit with a with a police officer or two police officers and a case manager. 
to see what's going on. They want to catch them in the act, essentially, or see what's, you know, catch them off guard and see what happens. The problem with that is that the person I was calling APS about is someone who most of the time, like if you talk with them, this is the case for a lot of abusers, but there's some speci- there's more specifics involved with this. Um, if you just talk with them in a normal environment, you're not going to really catch anything wrong. Yeah, you can't and read minds. No, and and so then what happened? And this is why I said, look, you're going to get there and nothing's going to be wrong unless you happened to get there when everything is, you know, when when everything is really, the chances of you doing that, I don't know what they are, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is this. You're going to show up unannounced. Then everything's going to be normal. You're going to leave. And the person I'm calling about is going to fly off the handle. That's what's going to happen. And I am, and I'm telling you, if you do that, the person that they abuse is not going to call 911 because they, they, that's, they, they just, they won't do it. I know the person, right? Like I, I, I just need you, I need you as listeners and, and you know, Henry Hughes, my co-host to just believe me when I say that they're not the, they're, they just won't do it on their own. Um, and like all you're going to do by showing up unannounced is make the situation worse when you leave. And I kid, I begged, they agreed that they wouldn't. And of course they did. They did because they have to follow their policy. Yep. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. It was normal. And then everything flew off the handle after that. It's, it is, it is so, I'm not saying don't call authorities when you need to, or when you're suspicious of something you should, because there's still a chance that they could find something wrong. The, the problem is that, um, the problem is that if they don't, there really is nothing they can do. And to be honest with you, that's something that should, that's there for our protection because you don't want police who are just going to walk around and arrest you on suspicion. And yes, that's exactly why Black Lives Matter needs to be a thing because that's happening. I was just going to say. That's happening I mean, that to could, people. That could transition into a topic that I'm actually going to stop us from getting into today because, spoiler alert, that is a topic we're actually going to have a whole episode again rededicated to. Yes. And we know it's coming up like, ASAP, as in, if you hadn't figured it out by it's now, probably that's next what week. we were supposed yeah. to be talking. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna say we were supposed to be talking about it now, and now you're getting this. But, but uh, yeah, it's whew. Yeah, I mean, pepper spray a guy in military uniform with both hands out of the vehicle in a well lit area. But whatever. Anyway, turn that, in next yeah. week. But oh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't want that world. We're currently trying to fight that world from getting worse, and we're trying to make that better for for people in the black community and for people of color. And we don't want that. In these cases, we want these people to get help. I don't like this is this is why I'm a big fan of things like I forget what it's called in Oregon, but I think I or maybe it was Colorado that was the first to implement the uh, program that allowed that that really does bring social workers for non-emergency related 911 calls. And they bring them along mm-hmm. at least. Because there's a lot of these situations where it's not necessarily that there's some crime involved or even the plan to commit a crime. Um, those suicide by cop at that point, like understanding that there's crime involved in that. Um, the, the someone who's a licensed clinical social worker or someone who's a licensed, like, you know, psychologist or whatever, um, obviously someone who's willing to do that job too, but there's a lot of lives that can be saved countless that can be saved. Um, if these people are actually served and police do not, this is one of the big this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves with police, with the police force in general, but police are not trained to deal with that the same way. 
and not deal with it nearly effective, you know, nearly as effectively if they are. If they do have that training, it's just literally it's either stuff they've picked up over years on the force and just continued exposure, or they've had to go out of their way to get it. But when it takes you a fraction of the time to enforce the law uh, or to learn, it takes you a fraction of the time to uh, to learn how to enforce the law that it does to learn how to, you know, actually represent and fight people in court, you know, and become a lawyer and defend it. Um, it just like, that's something that is just so scary to me. And it's the number one thing I wish we would change is the barrier to entry for police officers in general and, and the level of training they get. Um, that is something well, and limiting yeah. and limiting what they're expected to have to do. We've basically Correct. because we've overemphasized placing and thrown so much money at it. We didn't have money for anything else and they become the first responder of everything. Well, the problem friends is is the only thing they're trained to respond to well is force situations. Right? Some horrible disaster unfolding. And I and yes, mental health, yeah, emotional well-being uh, other things are obviously disasters in the making, but I'm I'm talking about they're trained to deal in deadly force, with deadly force, with some sort of really deadly situation, usually involving weapons. So if that's what you train them to do, but then you tell them, here, deal with all of these issues, is it any surprise to us that the kind of people that spend all their life always showing up expecting to get shot or somebody to get shot or something to go wrong can show up in any situation and somehow manage to escalate it to where something goes wrong and then they do what they're trained to do. Right. And, I, yeah. and I'm not saying they should have done it in that sense, but I, I'm saying, I mean, cause I, I have friends on various police forces and, and they'll, some of them will tell me about that. They're like, I have colleagues that they'll show up in a situation and without even trying, they escalate it way beyond what they need to. And they have to show up and try and deescalate it. And they're like, if you just talk to them normal, but some of these guys are on beats where they're always under threat or they're always dealing with something. And so the only go-to they know to do, because again, another thing we need to think about is officers dealing with their own unresolved trauma mm -hmm. from the job, right? You know, that's just building and compounding Do you know, after, after Black Lives Matter, do you know how many people signed up to be cops? Like, I'm actually curious to know, to find that, that statistic because there's a lot of people that get into this or that get into the military because it's the bullies that do it. I'm not saying all the time. I'm, say, I'm not saying not all, all the time. No, no, no. But there's but that and, kind of that kind of fraternity mindset and and that that kind, that of, kind of brotherhood of, of police and I military want power. I am the A alpha yep, male. Kind that of thing. that yeah. thing drives people to become cops and go basically drunk with power. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Right. Well, no, no, no. That's fine. And this, actually, it's a side note. This is another point to bring up something. Now you've done it with cops, and I did it with death by cop. Um, this is another place where we get to thank you all as 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 listeners for your patience and understanding. As as Ryan has said, it, this is a big risk on our part just to give you our processing out loud and first gut reactions or words or verbiage to to things. Recognizing again that our intent is not to trigger or harm anyone or say something crass or uneducated or whatever, but the likelihood when you're first processing out loud is that those things can happen. And we don't want to excuse those. We want to learn from them. But at the same time, please know that's part of the risk we're having even today. I know it sounds like we're just filling stuff, but it is a almost a greater now, risk this than turned a normal into episode. A, this turned into a legitimate episode. Yeah. This is, this is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it has, but uh, so many things, but this, this is the point I'm trying to make. It, it costs us something to now put mics and cameras on us and do this for an hour. 
because anyone's now going to be able to jump into a number of hot button issues we're talking about at random points and they could cut sound bites and know that say Ryan hates cops and Henry just thinks people that have, you know, emotional instability should just off themselves. I, I mean, I can imagine what people could say about us out of context. That sounds like a terrible you episode know. description. Um, <laughs> out of context. So I think, uh, no, no. So I agree with this. Uh, I agree with what you're saying and, and I, I second it. Also, I just had the idea. There's a YouTuber I watch, Gerald Undone, that always opens his his YouTube channels with a phrase from the comments. So he goes, you know, this is Gerald Undone, you know, I'm Gerald Undone and this is, and then he inserts like a phrase from his comments and the phrase could be something random. And this is pasta night at Tony's or something like that. I don't know. Um, and then he just jumps into a video about video camera and you know recording equipment reviews. And it has it's nothing just, to do with his comment. Yeah, it has yeah. absolutely nothing to do. And now I kind of want to... This episode is about, this man is the worst yep. person I've ever seen speak. Now I kind of want to do that with our episode titles um, or with our show descriptions is I just want to include some sort of phrase that we have to include in our episode description hey, from listeners. If you guys would comment more or send in commentary... It could feature either as it. I like that All as right. an episode include title, or we work it in. Include a sentence, include a phrase, include something, and send in an email. I'll include a link for submission at the in the show notes. If you want to, if you want to see it happen, we'll see what happens. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll play with it. But um, if, I mean, next week it could be to the moon. That'll make I, me. You know. That'll make me actually more enticing or more tempted to write episode descriptions because I hate writing them. Um, but here's what I want to say. So I found. I found the organization in in Oregon that I was talking about. It's called Cahoots is the program. And there were two stories. Uh, I knew you were in Cahoots. NPR did a quick interview about it with 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 a social worker in the program and someone and then US News did another one. It was shortly after the the June or the the George Floyd shooting. Um or not shooting, sorry, the George Floyd incident and tragedy. Um, so in Eugene, Oregon, a college town of a, some 170,000 residents and neighboring Springfield with 63,000 residents, inc not including the Simpsons, uh, one such model has been in place for more than 30 years, a nonprofit mobile crisis intervention program called Cahoots. It operates in collaboration with the police department, dispatching social workers instead of officers. Now listen to this. This is wild. Have you heard of this, Henry, by the way? I have never heard this, of it until you just said this something. is amazing. The program has an annual budget of roughly $2 million and saves the city of Eugene an estimated $8.5 million annually in public safety costs, in addition to $14 million in ambulance trips and emergency room costs. And who knows how much it's saving them in lawsuits that the city yep. would have to settle. So yeah. they their team has a staff of about 40 people. Um, they take about 20% of the police calls they, that get routed to them. Uh, anywhere between, you know, 17 to 20% end up going to cahoots. Um, and um, this was an interview that NPR did. Um, luckily, they transcript this stuff, which is amazing. It makes life a lot easier because I had to Google this just before we, we got on here. <laughs> He's um, not listening to the episode now. So the, the, the host asks, so uh, the, the, girl's name, the social worker's name is Ebony. So Ebony, when you show up on the scene, are you carrying any of the paraphernalia, paraphernalia that pol a police officer would have? Do you have a uniform, handcuffs, and a weapon? And she's like, so we're a lot more casual in appearance. The tools I, that I carry are my training. I carry my de-escalation training, my crisis training, and a knowledge of our local resources and how to appropriately apply them. I don't have any weapons, and I've never found that I needed them. The pen is mightier than the sword. 
And last, so she said this in, this was 2020. So this is in 2019 that she's referencing. She says, so in 2019, out of a total of about 24,000 calls, 150 times we called for police backup for some reason. Out of 24,000. Wow. Like, I like I gave myself legitimate I, chills hearing, but that's I, I, what I'm did, saying. Did, did they did they interview any of the officers? Like, were they like, "Hallelujah, I'm so glad this is working because it saves us from having to yeah deal this with is, all this." I know I Colorado mean, was looking to 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 pilot uh, some some. I think it, was, it may have been Boulder, but it may have been a different city too that was looking to to pilot something similar. And I'm not saying it's going to stop these shootings completely from happening, but I I. Like stuff like this Anything is to mitigate. stuff like this is possible. I like I I don't understand this whole like I don't know arm everyone and the world will be safer. And I'm like no, um, I doubt that. Um, but I I think there's yeah. a arming arming everybody only makes it safer if everybody doesn't deteriorate to just being Neanderthals and like me have club me hit you. Yeah. Um, I also agree that just passing more laws isn't the solution because passing more laws, I mean, we already made drunk driving illegal. I'm going to say, and that doesn't stop drunks. So, you know, laws only constrain those that are already willing to be honest with the law. It's kind of like locks. Locks only stop honest people. Locks uh, or people who are in a hurry because, you know, you do have to take the time. So really getting a more expensive lock is basically just saying that you are stopping the impatient thieves. That's all you're doing by getting a, a like a, a, a sturdier, more stronger lock. And if you don't believe that, look up, I think it's a lock picking lawyer on YouTube and just have a field day as that man unlocks everything. He, he hacks every single uh, lock imaginable. That dude is is... It just goes to show every single time he does it, bike locks, you name it. It just keeps honest, you know, just keeps slightly less honest people more honest. That's all it does. Um, but yeah, like I, I would love to see stuff like this implemented for calls like this, for calls like the one on the bombing, uh, or the 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 guy that did the bombing in Nashville. I, I would love to see social workers, licensed clinical social workers, or other support staff being called rather than police with weapons. There's something, and, and honestly, I would say this, the longer this goes on, the more important sending someone other than a police officer is going to become because there is a Because feeling, public trust in the institution is, is, is deteriorating rapidly. Naturally adversarial the so, I mean, second it, it, that it, that it's, happens. It's for the benefit of the guys in blue, the guys and women in blue. Yes. Because at this point, if they didn't feel at risk before, I'm sure they're going to feel at risk now because everybody is just, it's deteriorating to the idea of like, oh, it's a cop. They're immediately going to do whatever. And, and we don't want that for law enforcement officers either. And well, and this is, that's the other half of this is it also prevents, not doesn't prevent, it also reduces the amount of time or the amount of opportunities that officers have to, uh, to weaponize internal prejudice or stereotypes or other, like it, 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 it allows for, I'm not saying like, I'm saying we should deal with that and we should, we should root that out of people. But what I'm saying is it puts less people at risk of that happening when the bully type is the one that's called on the scene. And yes, there are, you know, for every one yeah, of these, it's, there's it's kind of the question. It's kind of like the point there is a place for force, but why introduce it into the situation unwarrantedly? Mm -hmm. I was. I mean, you know, it, it's it's kind of like, and this is going to sound again funny in the context of a gun episode. But for any of you who have taken any sort of weapons training, could be as a 
police officer or a civilian with something like a CWP, a concealed weapons permit class or whatever. Uh, I, I think in certain states it's CHP, concealed handgun permit or whatever. They're supposed to, if you take these classes, and you're not in some state that will remain mentionless, but there's a few states where they're like, you want one? Just send us $5. Here's your permit. That's that's mm. not training. And I say that as a gun owner. I'm like, okay, I laugh at those. I'm like, you cannot be, I, I'm for gun rights, but that's dumb. That's not even, they're like, which end is the end the bullet comes out of? Yeah, that's about how much education they get to get those. But my point <laughs> is you're supposed to be, you know, point that way. Okay. But my, now that I will never win the vote in Alabama, my point is, not that I was running. Wow, this is a stream of consciousness thought. And now I just lost my <laughs> Welcome. This is what outlines are helpful. For. We were doing so yeah, yes. well, Henry. We, we, we were doing, we were so, doing so well, good. and Alabama threw us off. Shocker. Um, roll Tide. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. You're welcome. No. Let the tide roll out. You're welcome. Okay. Now, now we're getting sports involved. By the in way, this, if but... you say Roll Tide on Reddit, it means something completely different. That's all I'm going to say. If you well, say, that's good to know. And honestly, if you're someone who doesn't like Roll Tide and doesn't like like Alabama, then you'll then I'm not saying you'll like the way that it's used on Reddit, but you definitely won't necessarily be as opposed to it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Um, that's it. As someone who grew up in the SEC and watched Alabama, kind of like the Yankees in baseball, just buy their way into teams that win everything all the time. It's hard for me. I, I have nothing against Alabama fans as individuals. I just wish mm -hmm. they would be converted and try some other team in the SEC. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. I'm glad that I got off my chest. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. No, we're, it's okay. I have no idea what you were going to say, but Look, I'll, I'll, I think that there is, I think there's plenty of room for growth in these areas. I do think, I do think that there are some probably common sense laws and I'm not talking common sense necessarily in the way that Democrat rhetoric says common sense gun laws, but I do think there are some things that can be passed to help mitigate some of this. But ultimately I think there has to be reform in the way that we deal with emotional and uh, like, I think we're a lot better at acknowledging and talking about emotional well-being. And within the context of public discourse, mental health, um, I do think that that we're doing a lot better of, about that. But you know, I just saw I just saw a friend of, a, well, I don't know how close you are with him, um, but he's a he's a, about a level above a conference in our denomination, uh, ministerial director for for where we are. So that tells you who he is, Henry. I uh, know um, exactly yeah. who you're talking about. So we were talking, or so I saw. I think it was a tweet from him earlier today about. Um, you know, another, how many more until we, until we can actually acknowledge that this is all a problem, right? How many more people have to I, die? I think I saw that. Yeah, how that many more people comment, have to die? Yeah. How many, like I'm, I've seen it time after time and I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm still fighting, but I'm tired. That's what he said. And, um, to some degree is like, I'm paraphrasing to some degree, but, but the idea is like, we, we need to acknowledge it. We're still trying to get to the acknowledge, like people to acknowledge that this actually is an issue and that, that racially motivated shootings, racial bias, racial prejudice, and racism are still issues in 2021 in the U S. And I just remember reading that and thinking like, man, that's great. But then the next step is trying to get to from acknowledgement to action. 
And I was thinking, I, I can say, I, I don't, I think the vast majority of people recognize these things are problems. I mean, there, there are those people that deny it, obviously, and we've talked about some of those, but the vast majority admit there's a problem. The problem is once that's about the only thing they agree on, and then it breaks down from there. They, they agree that there is a problem, but they disagree about what the specific problem is, what the specific, specific parameters are about the problem. Uh, are and they disagree with them solutions. But what I was thinking was just like I want I I want to set a goal beyond just acknowledging. But then I thought about it and I was like, man, but we need people advocating for acknowledgement and we need people advocating for action, like because there are because everyone is on a different phase of that journey, and there's a lot of steps to go from ignorance to acknowledgement and then acknowledgement to action. There's a lot of steps in between there. This is not like an A B C. This is like a this is like a A all the way through double letters Z, right? Like this is A to, A to, you know, ignorance to acknowledgement is one full cycle through the alphabet and then of, of small steps to get there. But I was just thinking like, man, I, I want to, I, I wish we could call for more than acknowledgement, but then I realized like, no, there are some people, there are some people whose role it is, is to call for acknowledgement and is to help other people open their eyes and see that there's a problem. And then there are others who are called to help the people who see the problem brainstorm and ideate and find solutions and actually enact solutions or inspire to action, right? And convince them of solutions. I think there are- I was gonna say, I'd almost say, I'd almost say there is inspire for the problem, inspire action or do the actions and then implementation. Yeah. And I that's, don't think they're all the same thing all the time. Yeah, but that's what I was gonna say is Cause just- Because our, our society is moving towards action in a lot of ways now. You're having protests, you're having mm -hmm. people- you know, speak online, but again, there's still no implementation. So I think that, you know, the torch yeah. still needs to be like a relay needs to be handed off to another group. And so that's point. why I, that's why I took a step back when I saw that tweet from him, because I realized, man, how much time do we spend in fighting saying you got to fight for more than just that? Or, you know, I'm, I'm over that, you know, you need to stop being over that too. We just need to move forward on this or we need to move forward on this. And I'm just thinking the more we act like a monolith, like the more we try to act like a monolith in the way we move through these issues, the less things will get done because we, we're going to spend so much time infighting about what each person's role is in this. And we're going to spend a lot more, you know, we're, we're going to spend so much time doing that that we never actually get stuff done or never actually move people in the right direction. Um, and so I like, I just wish, and there's one thing, if there's one thing I could tell or, you know, encourage people to do is, it's kind of that whole the old gospel adage and 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 the idea of that you know in that Paul says is it in Corinthians I think I'm terrible at memory verses of you know one person is the eye one person is the foot one person's the the hand um you know every every member is a different body or different different um part <laughs> different of body yeah, part. a different body part yeah. in the body of Christ and in the church and I think there's a I think there's a need for us to work together and acknowledge each other's roles in this. And I do think within the realm of police work and reform that there is a way for social workers to be a part of this in a way that doesn't detract from what police are doing, but rather enables police to do a better job of being police, like frees them up and enables them to be better officers, more, more well-rounded officers and putting them in less situations that could potentially escalate into something deadly. Um, I just think that there's so much there that is worth pointing out um, and that is worth that is worth investigating and seeing about implementing across the board in, in other cities in whatever form it may take. Um, but the cost benefit effectiveness is there. The, you know, the the results are there in many, you know, in these different places. I just think it's it's something worth I think that's one solution that I really strongly advocate for.
Yes, and you just actually reminded me what I was going to say when I forgot my train of thought, so I'll just throw it out there, only for the sake of not further discussion, but so that people know my brain can work on occasion. I was going to bring up the fact that they should teach you in certain weapons classes about what they call escalation theory. So, okay, just because you get into a, a conflict or some sort of uncomfortable situation, is this now the time for what they call force multiplication? So in other words, what you're supposed to be taught in certain concealed weapons classes and things like that is just because you get in an altercation, you don't immediately pull out the gun, mm -hmm. right? Because that's it's an overreaction to a... There has to be a certain case where the gun should be equalizing a bad situation or swinging it a few percentage points to your end to hopefully stop the situation. You don't immediately pull it out or you escalate it beyond the point of a disaster. And I think the reason why I was trying to go to that was I was saying again to this program, like you're saying, why, why sometimes I think immediately calling cops is like pulling the gun out in a confrontation. Mm -hmm. No pun intended, because that's often what happens and what they're trained to do. But that's what I'm saying. Why uh, there is a place for that. I'm, I'm in a broken world. I'm not saying there's not a point that some people, they don't get anything other than force. And not that that should be the first place we go. I mean, the Bible also talks, though, about the authorities wielding the sword, and, and it, that's a different discussion for another time. But like you said, not every situation, first thing up is pull the gun out. Yeah. And therefore, it, the, every situation shouldn't be immediately the cops here. All right, it shouldn't escalate to that immediately. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm with you there. We need to find ways to invest to, you know, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to go the extreme of like, no cops, but at the same time, there is something to be said. Well, maybe no cops immediately, you mm. know, find find a way to balance roles. I, I think, you know, work as a team. No, and no organization, no society works when kind of like your analogy that you're referencing from Paul and Corinthians about the body. Your body works best when all the parts are working. You don't just become a giant octopus man with eight hands. You know, just mm -hmm. running around. You can do a ton of stuff, but I can't walk. I mean, you know, it's it, you've got to have balance. So I, I I don't think if a society's idea of first responder is only three things, which is okay, you're a you're an EMT. So when they had a heart attack, we can use you. Oh, and you're a fireman. So when the thing's on fire, we use you. Oh, you're a cop. You do everything else. Mm. Right. I, it's it's. Uh, I mean, why do people trust? EMTs and firemen to a large degree because they're good at their roles. They usually only show up at a particular moment when they're most warranted to be there and they yep. do their job effectively. What would happen if the moment you see a cop, it just communicated it? Well, <laughs> of course, it might be getting that way now, but for the wrong reasons. You see a cop, you're like, I'm out of here. Whatever's about to go down, it's a really bad situation and they need to be here to deal with it. Now it's that they just show up and we're like, I don't know what it is, but it's about to get bad. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, let's. <laughs> Let's save this for the for the appropriate situations. But yep. that's anyway, that was no, kind of I my agree. train of thought from a while um, ago. I, I I think that's I think that's wise. I, I I agree with what you're saying and I'm glad that you remembered it. I think it's something important to to share. And um so yeah, I think I think honestly that's a pretty good way to to kind of close things out. So here's what I'll say. Um number one, if you want to support what we're doing, um there are two ways to do it. Uh number one would be to sign up on Patreon. Um, and donate any amount if you see you know what we're doing is bringing value to uh, bringing value to you and you know friends or loved ones or whatever and you want to give back that's the best way to do it it just helps offset costs um, in case anyone is curious I actually pay for 
pretty much out of my own pocket. There's some subsidizing that comes from, of course, Patreon and and others, but I do pay out of my own pocket for about currently eight different podcasts to run that I am not involved in. Um, I don't say that to brag or anything like that. I'm just saying like I that that is something that I do. Um and um including ones that are bigger than than my own. Um, but that's something I do and something I've committed. The Absurd Podcast Network. Um, I have committed to doing. And it, actually, there are more shows than just that that I that I also... Um, right. You, you work with a couple other yeah. entities and, as well. Um, so if you want to support what I'm doing, if you want to support what, what Henry and I are doing, the best way, honestly, the most direct way would be Patreon or just giving via PayPal. Um, but also... The, the other way is... Subscribe and comment and share. I was going to say, like we share this. Even if you don't want to be on Patreon, just share this with someone. Share an episode that you liked or that did something meaningful. The way that the number one way that a podcast grows its audience is through word of mouth, and it's through people saying you should listen to this. And so, you know, I'm going to try my best to put up more shareable clips and bites from episodes. I have a limited amount of time. Luckily, I've just secured a little bit. Like, here's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. I have to spend so much time on the production end of this. That's time that I can't spend making some extra videos or doing some extra content um, and and putting this down. That's why some of our old episodes or some of the last couple episodes aren't up in their full form yet on YouTube is because I haven't had time to sit down and actually do that. And so every bit of income that comes in helps us broaden the team and um, and allows us more freedom to create more too. So um, those are the two number uh, number. Those are the two best ways to interact with us or, or to support us. And then, if you want to interact with us, send us an email. Uh, follow the links in the description if you want to learn more about Cahoots. If you want to learn more about um, not Cahoot, the mo- the like the weird quiz show that all of the churches have used since the start of the pandemic, uh, but Cahoots, the uh, social work program in Eugene, Oregon. So you want to learn about that? There's links in the description there. And also, if you want to send in a weird phrase or sentences that you want to see us include in the show notes. Uh, for future episodes, there's also going to be a link there for you as well. So with that, and and please and please let us know if this was still beneficial to you. Uh, we don't want to do you know we don't want to make it look like we're just filling episodes. I mean, this one I I still think turned out pretty good. I was gonna say I feel like for not I feel, having any clue what we were going to talk. You may about. see this happen slightly more often, not because we're lazy, but I actually had fun with this. I I had a good time. Uh, I, it was, but please do let us know if you think, hey, that's cool, or if, whoa, you know, it's fine if you talk about those issues, but could you please, you know, filter it for a day or two before you record, give some thought to it? You know, just let us know. I mean, you got a very raw, unfiltered conversation. I mean, most of the time we try and keep it that way, but there is a slight filter because we've thought about it for a week before we sit down and talk about it. I was going to say, this We've one, time this process, one literally, but... the Indiana shooting happened last night. We're recording this, but this episode isn't coming out for another week after. So, um, yeah, normally we have about a week lead time, and we recorded the episode talking about the Indiana shooting literally the day after. Yeah, less than 24 hours after the event, as news is just coming out, as you heard, where he was looking up online and finding out new information that just hit that we were not aware of. But anyway... And again, thank you for being along with us on this journey, for being patient with us, helping us grow. We hope that you are growing in positive ways as well for being along with it. And we just appreciate the support and we look forward to hearing from you 
and having you along with us next week as well. So take us out, Ryan. Yep. With that, thank you, everyone. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't, I know it sounds like YouTube, right? But subscribe to the podcast. That way you can know when new episodes are coming out. We are committed to doing this weekly for you and, and we're going to keep this up. We're having a great time. This is the most fun I've had in podcasting in a while because I just feel a lot more stress-free and I owe that to Henry as well and our, you know, the system that we've created together and also just him being an incredible person and fun person to, to work with and talk with as well. So um, his wife is a lucky gal. Um, so uh, I am, I'm just thrilled to be on this journey. I am so grateful for everyone for listening, even if, especially if you're listening to this part in the episode uh, and you're hearing this. So. Yeah. And sugar is a lucky dog. Oh, thanks. Um, she says she barks. Thank you as well. So with that, everyone, thank you. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.